Hello film fans, it's time for another episode of For Your Reconsideration, where we check the flayed body of a supposedly rubbish film for vital signs and ask, can it be saved? Or do we need to call in the priest for last rites? I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you, gents? <laughs> Very good. That was a good one. Back to back to your best, I feel. Nice and concise. Oh, good, good, good. Have we lost it recently? <laughs> Criticisms. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm, you know, like, I'm not usually beset by, um, you know worries and self-consciousness but i am now oh, no i no i wasn't su- i i wasn't suggesting we were at a low point i just thought uh uh it was a good one it was a good one this week you, you you've done enough si. you've, you've done enough <laughs> <laughs> feel really bad now <laughs> are you boys both well yes very well thank you great mate great really good 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 and what have you been watching this week Last week was my wedding anniversary, so Mrs. Stewart and I went to the multiplex and instead of watching CGI monsters knock seven shades of shit out of each other, we decided to watch Booksmart and we were both incredibly pleased with our decision. Um, So this is a genuinely funny and heartwarming teen comedy directed by Olivia Wilde of Tron Legacy fame amongst other things. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I was amused throughout. The two leads were amazing, such great chemistry. You totally buy their friendship. The supporting cast, who can sometimes fall into the category of stock characters in these kind of movies, are also excellent. It's got a great gag rate throughout. It's visually really impressive, and there's some brilliantly realised surreal sequences as well. So that's a big big old recommend from me. Wow, that's cool. Mm, yeah, I, I, I only want to see that on the strength of recommendations because I saw a teen comedy and I just it looked by the numbers, by all the posters and stuff like that. But yeah, it's apparently really bloody good. So yeah, I'm very interested now. Yeah, yeah it's, it is really good. Mm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, I've been watching the new uh, miniseries on Netflix, When They See Us. So this is uh, about the Central Park Five who were wrongly convicted of rape in 1989-1990. Heavy. <laughs> yeah, it is as well. Uh, this is directed by Ava Devani. Oh, she's wonderful. Yeah. She did. She did thirteen. Was it the thirteen or something like that? The yeah, the thirteenth. Yeah, the 13th, that documentary. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, and it's a real hard hitting piece of drama. This uh, when they see us, it's beautifully shot, and she gets some powerhouse performances out of the unknown actors playing the five kids. Uh, the whole thing really put me through the ringer to such a degree that I developed quite an odd coping mechanism. Right, this isn't going to put me in the best light, but I think I'll share it with you guys and the listeners anyway. So Joshua Jackson plays one of the defence attorneys in this, based on a true story, obviously. Yeah. Right, and we're coming to this. So I found the whole show so upsetting that every time things got a bit too much to me for me, I found myself humming the Dawson's Creek theme tunes. <laughs> He's only in one episode as well. And I'm just, I don't want to wait. to be over. I'm sorry to everyone involved. Everyone was brilliant. I'm a moron. I love that everyone else who will now tune in will have that same problem. But it won't be a coping mechanism. It will be an affliction that they now have. Um. He is amazing, though, Joshua Jackson. I absolutely love him. Yeah, that. he is. He's well good. And I've seen him in loads of other stuff, so I don't know why I do that every time I see him. I'm aware that he's an actor and he's not actually Pacey from Dawson's Creek, but I do this every time. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Did you guys ever watch Fringe? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Was amazing. That was really good. Yeah, so good. Yeah. It was really, and he was ace in it as well. Well, uh, and the affair. He was the best thing. Oh, the affair. The affair. The first season of that is amazing, and then it just went it off is, a yeah. cliff completely for me. I, like, I, I like Brendan Fraser, but I had to turn it off when he appeared. Oh, that's when we bailed as well, actually. Really? Yeah. I just realised I hated everyone. Yeah, well, yeah, they're all horrible people, but in the first series, that was sort of the point, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, the first, and, and you didn't really know where it was going in the first series, and then it was rinse and repeat from there. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Not seen, Sorry. not seen, never seen, never been. <laughs> Welcome to my world, mate. Welcome to my Definitely world. Watch the first season, Simon. It's got uh, Dominic West in it of this parish as well. Oh, it? yeah. It's enjoyable stuff. Oh yeah, from uh, Mark Strong, uh, murder fame in yeah, and, John Carter. Uh, it's got Ruth Wilson in it as well. From Luther, it has. It definitely has. She is good. I'm a cop. <laughs> um, right, yeah. What what have I been watching? Uh, what yes, have you been watching? So hot on the heels of the uh, R bats news, <laughs> I went to see uh, High Life for a, a nice, Ooh. a gorgeous solo trip to the cinema for some uh, gorgeous art house space drama. That's what I expected, and that's exactly what I got. It's very, very weird, but very, very good, uh, with a string of fine performances. Obviously, Pattinson is great, but in particular, Juliette Binoche is amazing in it. She's like really creepy as like a long-haired witchy doctor, um, and she's on a spaceship of ex-cons whose mission it is is to gather data from inside a black hole. It's really, really good, but it's proper proper art house uh so rob this one might not be for you <laughs> i mean i, I ain't heard of this i i have not heard of this i hadn't heard of yours james i hadn't heard of the series you recommended i am learning <laughs> i'm learning uh, but all yes, the time Pat, the, it had some great uh shots of uh close-up shots of pattinson's face looking all broody and every time that happened i was just imagining the cowl over his face and i was going yeah this is gonna oh, work. Yeah. This is gonna work. He's got a yeah. it's gonna work. he's got a great jawline. It is, of course, it's gonna work. It's yeah, gonna be it's amazing. Good. That it's gonna be. It's quite bizarre amazing. as well because in that film, he's he's American in that film, whereas everyone else is it in Eng- is is English. So it's a bit it's a bit oh. odd why he's the only American on it. But yeah, he, he pulls off an American accent like effortless, effortless, effortlessly again. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Really good. I th- I think that's you know. That's because he's a jolly good actor. Superb. <laughs> Case closed. Uh, right. Um, yeah, for my part, uh, please don't get excited. Haven't heard of any of that stuff that you just <laughs> mentioned. I'll put it on an arbitrary list somewhere that I will try to watch one day, but evidently will never get round to. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad we do this uh, because of you've... the show, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, because um, there's so much good stuff to watch out there, like what I started this week with my wife, which is the start of Saw Final Chapter. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, don't ask. Um, she wanted to watch a horror film. Um, I said yes. Uh, we went through um, about five minutes worth of cycling through everything, and it we ended up <laughs> making our decision based on runtime. It was the shortest, uh, but then the opening sequence um, uh, was horrible. It had like a well, no, I mean, it wasn't really horrible. I mean, you know what you're going to get with these films. It it involved uh, well. The first thing that hit me was that it looks quite a bit cheaper than the other ones, <laughs> uh, and then. 
uh, a buzzsaw goes through a lass's stomach and a big Cumberland sausage worth of intestines shoots out and lands on the floor. And that's where my eight-year-old walked in. Oh, so we timing. had to stop and um, <laughs> we never picked it up again. So, I, yeah, that's the sum total this week. Eight minutes of, of Saw, the final chapter, which I will probably not continue with, to be honest. Solid week, solid week. <laughs> another another blockbuster week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always here for you with the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> whose pick was it this week? Uh, oh, it was mine this week. Um, but no Disney films, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so sorry about that. Um, instead, uh, it's a film I've been gagging to cover on this pod. Uh, it's one of the first films I sort of shortlisted when we sort of first came up with the idea. Um, so this week we're heading to Mega City One in an ultraviolet dystopian future where the police have the authority to act as judge, jury and executioner. Uh, a seasoned cop, known in this world as Judges, teams with a trainee to take down a gang that deals the reality-altering drug slow-mo. Uh, no, we're not doubling down on Stallone films after Rocky IV last week. Oh, shit. Uh, but instead, <laughs> I've watched the wrong thing. Uh, it, <laughs> uh, instead, we're looking at Pete Travis's 2012 adaptation of 2000 AD's Dread. 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. Judges. There's drugs like nothing I've ever seen. If we play this right, we can take the whole city. Mom was controlling all the slow-mo production and distribution. Rookie, you ready? Yeah. You look ready. Fire! Mama's not the law. I'm the law. Over. Sentence is death. So, Sai, how does this film qualify for appearance on this podcast? So, this film's a really good example, I think. Um, for me, it's it's fucking brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And any adult who's like into comic book movies or are fans of like Paul Verhoeven or John Carpenter. Um, should have loved this movie. Oh, yeah. I caught this at the cinema because uh, I was really, really hyped for it. For I don't know why, to be honest. I think the main reason was Alex Garland's sort of uh, affiliation with it because I'm a huge Alex Garland fan. But when I went to the cinema, I think I was one of only three people in there. Ugh. And this was during the opening week. And I seem to remember at the time, no one watching it and it absolutely tanking. Really? I'm sure we'll get like the full details of that from James in a bit, but I just remember it being a classic example of uh, a film absolutely bombing and uh, a real shame. So I just was like, yeah, I, I, I think this film's great. I think it was yeah. un- really unappreciated at the time and it hasn't really caught on to that cult following it should have got mm, mm. Uh, since then. Yeah, that's, I, think, I think it's really spot on for this pod, to be honest. Yeah, I, I you know... Um... We'll get on to our feelings, I suppose, soon. But, um, James, what about... Um, you said that... Sorry, then, you said that not enough people went to see it. Was that reflected in its box office, uh, James? Yeah, yeah. It really is considered a bit of a flop, this one. So it made ah. 35626525 worldwide off a 50 million budget. Oh, wow. So that's not good. 
I tell you what's a real kick in the teeth for it, though. So it came out the same weekend as End of Watch, which is a great movie. It is. I love End of Watch. That's a a fantastic movie. movie. That went number one. Uh, A Jennifer Lawrence film called House at the End of the Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me neither. (laughs) I've seen that. I've actually seen that. Have you? <laughs> yeah, it's never good. Even heard of it. It's good. Yeah, is it good? It was. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the poster. I remember the poster. It's, it's like Jennifer Lawrence's face looking terrified, looking into the mid distance. Is this pre Hunger Games, Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, it, it is. is yeah, yeah, yeah. I only remember it so so well because the old phone booth round from where I live uh, was decommissioned about the same time as it came out, but they never moved the booth. So <laughs> for the last six years, we've had that her face. <laughs> reminding us yeah (laughs) and uh, uh, like uh, i'm assuming like five years ago i got so fed up seeing the face all the time it was like right i'll just have to watch it then your marketing finally worked (laughs) (laughs) just a daily reminder to go watch this yeah yeah right (laughs) (laughs) and also it finished behind this other film as well a justin timberlake clint eastwood baseball movie called trouble with the curve which i've also never heard of what is that it finished behind that as well so (laughs) i am the biggest justin timberlake fan i cannot believe i have not heard of that film i even went to watch edison (laughs) (laughs) was that any good Tell me it was good. Uh, for, 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 for you, dear listeners who don't know what Edison is, Justin Timberlake plays a journalist who's trying to uncover uh, some sort of shady dealings in his in an American city. Um, yeah, it's it's rubbish. It's got a great cast, <laughs> but it's pretty, it's pretty rubbish. Yeah. So, yeah, given it was the only one based on an existing property and the reviews were really strong as well, it should have beat all three of those. So it just goes to show that that Comic-Con buzz means fuck all when it actually comes to the general public. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, very good That's point. It. That is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, really good, interesting point, that as well. Um, what about um, Metacritic and uh, Rotten Tomatoes? How did they take to it? Yeah, like James was, like just quickly mentioned, like by and large, critical reviews were slightly leaning more towards a positive end. I think... The vast majority were middle to upper. Nothing lavish heaps of praise on it at all. But I would have thought like UK-based publications like your Total Films and your Empires would have absolutely jumped on this because it's a based on a British comic. Yeah. Obviously set in America, but it, you know, it is a British comic from 2000 AD. It was part of the anthology um, and is a huge character. Um, yeah, there were a few decent reviews, but like nothing like massive to shout shout home about. You know, it was it was middle to good, I'd say. Um, yeah, obviously, all the New York critics approached it with their noses upturned and uh, uh, really didn't like it. <laughs> there was a lot of disdain for like gory elements, you know, which is fine because you know that is something what will turn people off. Yeah, but a bit of ne- and there was a bit of neg- negativity towards how simple it was. But I think that's one of the reasons why I loved it. Yeah. Having said that, you know, if we go to the scores, so like Rotten Tomatoes got it as a really high 79%, actually, one of the highest ones we've oh. done. Um, so, you know, obviously doesn't qualify on that sense. No. Uh, which I'm, I'm glad James saved me with the budget there because I was like, does this actually qualify? <laughs> 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 um, well, no, it, I mean, it qualifies by $15 million. Yeah. I mean, that is big. Uh, audience on was 72%, so quite similar. Metacritic's a lot lower, actually. Metacritic's got it at 60%. Uh, so, again, you know, kind of backing up what I'm saying there with the middle to good is, you know, three stars average. And then audience is a lot higher on Metacritic, saying 8.8. So, yeah, it's definitely, like, on the 
positive end of the scale, but by no means amazing. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, it's not smashing it, but yeah. When, when did you first guys see it? When did I mean you saw it in the cinema side, James? Did, when did yeah. you first see this? Um, on Blu-ray, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't go to watch it because I'm not, and I'm not a big comic book fan. Anyway, and all I know about Judge Dredd is the Sylvester Stallone Rob Schneider masterpiece from the uh, <laughs> totally from forgot the Rob Schneider was in that. <laughs> so once I found out those guys Schneider. were in it, I wasn't interested at that point. Um, no, I was. I just didn't get round to it, and I think it it came and went quite quickly. It really also, did. if I remember yeah. correctly, Sai, let me ask you a question: Did you see this in 3D? Because I'm pretty sure it was called Dread 3D it when was. it was released in the cinemas. It yeah. was, and I did. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of the 3d but this is one of about two or three films tron being the other one yeah that was actually pretty good in 3d because the whole film wasn't in 3d it was basically all the sort of slow-mo scenes slow-mo stuff which i bet looked amazing actually but i think i was uh, i was like i'm not paying extra to see 3d i don't like it because i wear glasses anyway so i have to balance the 3d (laughs) specs over the top of my own specs so I just I was like I'm not going to see it. It sounds gimmicky, and I don't think that helped, and that probably no. is part of the reason for the lower box office. Yeah, I, I, I think so because you know it was at that time where they were really trying to push 3D, and people just didn't buy into it unless it was a humongous film like your Avatar. Yeah, or yeah, like yeah. That. But this is three years after Avatar. I think they're starting yeah, to be that, a bit of fatigue with this 3D stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah agree, agree. I watched it. I've never, you know, truth be told, I watched this on the strength of your recommendation, Sai, about uh, four years ago, something like that. Ah. I watched it in 3D then at home and um, really enjoyed it then. And when you said we were going to do it for the pod, I went on Amazon and you could get the 3D, 2D box set of this for six quid, Bargain. six quid 50. Bargain. So I thought, oh, because well, I knew I already liked the movie. So I was like, well, I, I want to get that. And I watched it again in 3D this week. And I've got to say, it's one of the best 3D transfers I've ever seen. It's like, Because I do try to get the... You know, if they came out big at 3D at the cinema, in that fad that we were talking about of like... It's like mid-2000s to early 2010s, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where everything was in 3D. Everything big was in 3D. If it came out like that, I, I would try to get the box set of a 3D and a 2D option. So with Dread, I wanted to do the same because obviously I remember it as Dread 3D, as yeah. you say, James. Um, but it was the, the 3D on this was brilliant. Um, and it was like um, those slow-mo sections were really, really good. But I actually really like, you know, um, so much of it is corridors, isn't it, in this? Mm. And 3D really lends to that depth of field and gives a sense of spatial intrigue. Yeah. You know, so I really, really liked it. It worked really well in this. And it was crystal clear, really good. You know, like sometimes with 3D, you get a a weird flickery thing and your eyes struggle and you feel sick. There was none of that here. It was really good. It's a bit muddy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, There was none of that here. And maybe like, because what I noticed this time watching it was how colourful it was. And maybe that was to offset Mm. how Mm. much 3D glasses dull colour. So maybe like yeah. watching yeah, it in 3D because yeah. I I was like I don't remember it being this this colourful. Oh, it's still great. It's insane like, colour, yeah. When a film is you know shot for 3D and has moments in it that will work in 3D, you know, was it My Bloody Valentine and um, Final Destination? Yeah. 
five, I think, yeah, was the yeah. 3D one. Yeah, yeah. They were really good to watch in 3D because it's just when it's tacked on as a gimmick and you're just like, oh, for God's sake. You know, it's retrofitted and it doesn't need to be in that. Yeah, like... Toy Story 3. Yeah, Toy yeah. Story 3 is my biggest example. I went to cinema and all they had was 3D screenings. Yeah. And it completely ruined really? it for me. I was just like, I do not need to see this in 3D. The film itself yeah, yeah, yeah. is 3D renders. I know I can sense... You know, I, I've got depth perception yeah, yeah. on my own. I don't need it to be physically there. But when a film is like done in a way where it's, uh, you know, add something to what you're watching and it's a very visual film and things like, you know, it can work. It can work. And I think this yeah, is one like of the... Yeah, like Gravity. Few... I saw that in 3D. Oh, yeah. Oh, Gravity did you? I bet that was quality yeah, in 3D. Yeah, it made me feel ill. Yeah. It was that good. Like, <laughs> like yeah. literally, you felt like... Because it's so disorientating, that opening shot that lasts about 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. What a movie that is. But for, like, for me, I see two big reasons like why this film failed. Uh, the first one is obviously marketing, which we'll come back to but the other reason and one that i feel it really damaged it in terms of finding an audience you know finding that cult audience which a film like this really needs to sort of tap into to be successful yeah. was a little indonesian film called the raid <laughs> yeah the raid came out early 2012 i think after it did some film festivals at the end of 2011 whereas this came out at the back end of 2012 yeah ah uh... Yeah. I think the similarities killed it because the the very audience they were trying to get, which was like the very niche, would go to the cinema every week, likes a bit of like, you know, loves a cult film, what isn't for the families, loves a yeah, yeah. R-rated, 18-rated movie. He's bound to give it strong word of mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All those people said it was a rip-off of The Raid. Ah, oh, man. And I just think, I remember it this at the time, and I just think that is the one thing what just totally killed it. Yeah. Because they do have similar concepts, like, so the raid is... I mean, the narrative is very similar. Like, yeah. there's a there's a, there's a a tower block full of gangsters and drug dealers, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they've got to get to the top, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, very yeah. similar. Ah, it's like that Bru- yeah. Bruce Lee film, Game of Death, is it, in the 70s? Yeah. His last film was like that. You know, this isn't a massive budget movie. It's, it's fifty million, but that, in comparison to most superhero films, that's that's nothing really. Yeah, nobody's ripping off the raid. They're not going. Oh, I've heard about this little Indonesian yeah, film. Yeah, Let's yeah, build no, our dread no, narrative around that. No. It's not happening at all. It's just a coincidence. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just bad luck. Yeah, it's it bad, luck bad luck. But for, for I mean, the ru- creators. Yeah, movie. the rumors as well was that Garland had been sitting on the script for like ten years. So. It's not an original idea to have a lockdown building and people get to stop. As I say, Bruce Lee yeah. did it in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I remember it at the time having several arguments with people who refused to watch it because they were like, oh, it's just a rip-off of The Raid. Because The Raid really did tap into that audience yeah. where yeah. you know, you've got this foreign film directed by a Welshman, which was brilliant. I love that. <laughs> um, and I love The Raid. The Raid is amazing. It's an hour- They're both good. They're both really good. <laughs> yeah, you can enjoy both. You're allowed to enjoy there both. There is room in the calendar for both these films. There is room on your DVD shelf for both these films. I would say Dread has better one-liners, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. the one-liners are amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned there, uh, Cy, about Alex Garland. Um, I was reading a bit, obviously... There seems to be all sorts of talk, a lot of it unconfirmed, about what Alex Garland's true role in this was. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because the 
So who's the, 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 you know, the director who's credited? Travis, Pete Travis. Yeah, Pete Travis. He's like just a TV director. He did a film called Vantage Point, which is fucking rubbish. Yeah, so he did a couple of... <laughs> Hang on a minute. Rewind that. Rewind <laughs> that. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So it stars Matthew Fox, for God's sake. Exactly. <laughs> the Fox. We all know how I feel about Matthew Fox. Get out. You get out. You I love, get I love out. all the cross-references between past... <laughs> episodes we've done i know i know we've got like we've got like the for your reconsideration multiverse going on i love the fact that there isn't a hill that rob won't die on (laughs) and there's plenty more hills to go (laughs) i remember going to see vantage point quick segue because it was the first film that forrest whitaker had released after he'd won the oscar for last king of scotland so i went in thinking oh well he's just come off the back of winning an oscar this is going to be real top quality stuff (laughs) yeah and it and it and it wasn't (sighs) (laughs) we spoke the other week about ben foster and forrest whitaker is in the same category of actor for me he's so over the top he's so having said that ghost dog way of the samurai is fantastic and is a possibly a future entrance to the pod cool. yeah that's a good yeah, good cool shout actually yeah. Well um yeah anyway yes but uh, back to dread I, where were we rob where were we where are we <laughs> alex garland alex garland what's he doing Locking, uh pete travis out of the uh <laughs> of the editing room but <laughs> yeah 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 and then getting carl urban to say in, a, in in like an interview a couple of years ago that it was actually garland that directed the movie yeah i'm not surprised yeah. by that because i heard as well um that it was because of union issues. So because Garland hadn't done anything previously, he was really struggling to get on as director. I'm going off, this is purely conjecture, purely rumour of something what someone told me. Yeah, don't sue us, we have no money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Garland was really wanting to get into directing because he's he's done all sorts by this point. He's wrote books, he's wrote video games, he's wrote screen uh, films, what a fucking 28 days like, amazing. Sunshine. Sunshine, I love Sunshine. Again, another one what could feature on this podcast. Sunshine's so good, yeah. <laughs> Looking at the rumours on this, it does sound like Pete Travis was a bit of a proxy. And if what Carl Urban said in that interview, that it was actually Garland directed, and this is te- this is pretty much his first... It is, isn't it? ...directed for... I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but it's not the kind of... It's not the kind of good press, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it smells more of not like oh we kept Garland a secret. It smells more of production on set. Uh, sorry, trouble on set. Trouble. Yeah, in production. I mean, I think I get the impression that Alex Garland is the driving force behind this. He wanted to do the movie. He wrote the script. He's also a producer mm, on the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. a it's a DNA film. So they obviously made uh, Twenty Eight Days Later and Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. So he has a pre existing relationship with those producers. And yeah. Pete Travis isn't a name director yeah, yeah, by that yeah. same token. So, you know, it's not uncommon for a producer to take over over the picture. Yeah, no, no, of course. Um, just the way that it's come about seems quite interesting. It adds an air of, you know, for now, it adds an air of myth to the film. Quite oh, yeah, definitely. And me, if, yeah. It, if it was the case, and this is actually his directorial debut, then what a brilliant way to quit teeth as any directed two. I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Smashed yeah. it. Yeah, Machina and, and, and Annihilation, which I think is definitely going to crop up on this one because it ended up getting dumped on Netflix instead of getting its full theatrical yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. favourite film of last year, Annihilation. Yeah, unbelievable <laughs> film. Amazing. Have you seen that, Rob? Halfway through it, uh, but I've been halfway through it for about six months. <laughs> so we've established that there might have been some ups and downs behind the scenes that we'll probably never know the, the true story of, but... Um, 
James, you'd mentioned that you'd only ever known this as Dread 3D. I know I'm the same. Lads, what do we know about the marketing for the movie? Pretty terrible, I think. As as explained by uh, Carl Urban himself, he did an interview with Yahoo Movies like a couple of years later. This is this is a quote from, from Mr. Urban, Dread himself. Um, Dread represented a failure in marketing. I saw the tracking of that film weeks before it came out and the fundamental problem was no one knew it was being released. Once it came out on DVD and it sold 750,000 copies in the first week in North America alone, it was very clear that the audience had discovered it. So, yeah, I think in the lead-up, marketing really sort of made it suffer. And I'd, I'd never actually noticed it, but James, when you said about the 3D thing, that makes so much sense. Yeah, because people automatically know it's called Dread 3D. You're going to have to go and see it in 3D. And people were starting to book against that in 2012. Yeah. People, wanted to, you know, yeah. I'm sure it was released in 2D as well, but when you see the name of the film, it's actually Dread 3D. Yeah. What, what, was it, were you, I can't remember, because it's been so long since I've gone to the cinema for a big release, but do you still, and at the time, do you pay extra for a 3D film? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. I think you still, you still do, do, yeah. Really? I genuinely think it was released as a solely, well, in terms of like the, sort of swing of it being majority 3D in the screens it was showing. Because this isn't a big tempo release, so this isn't going to get 10 screens in the view or the local cinema yeah, yeah. like Avengers yeah, yeah. would. And I, I think it was purely 3D. And, yeah, never thought of it that because of that, the audience they were trying to get would refuse to watch it because it's 3D. Because mm. they, they, people were turning away from that sort of stuff because because it was a gimmick and yeah and you all know like niche film fans don't like gimmicks do they no. so yeah yeah um do you think as well i mean i i don't know if this is the case this is that like pure speculation but do you think it was a, a, a to anything to do with the stallone one as well like do you think it had that sort of oh you mean like a hangover from that yeah like like a sort of case of like you know the whole remake thing or the reboot thing is that's another thing what people kind of don't like to get involved yeah. in like if it's a remake or a I, reboot I, I don't know and yeah. even though it's not either of those because it's an adaptation of a comic book it's not a remake or a reboot and it's it, it's yeah. like uh the parallel i'd say in terms of that argument is um fincher's go with a dragon tattoo film yeah 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 Everyone thought that was a remake, but it was. It was just an adaptation of the book, a different adaptation of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I, I, I couldn't think of two films based on similar, well, you know, essentially the same property that are so different as Dread and Judge Dread. You know, the Stallone movie and the Carl Urban movie. Yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> They're not from the same. <laughs> They're not from the same wheelhouse at all. Well, there's no Rob Schneider in this one, which is disappointing. It is disappointing. Is there, though? He can play anything. Might be <laughs> well, he could, could be in it. it. Yeah, he could be, yeah. Uncredited. Hollywood's <laughs> most chameleonic actor. He should have been one of the dudes that got skinned at the start and thrown off the top. <laughs> oh, <laughs> into the plaza. Would, how good would that have Prince been? Habibu! <laughs> 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 this is for click, motherfucker! <laughs> James, would it have you been you would it would it have been you throwing him off as well? And Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Just, I know he's not in that movie, but just for the laugh. Yeah, I don't know. I I think maybe that was a, particularly in America because obviously they're not exposed to 2000 AD as much as us Brits were. 
even though that's quite niche, niche yeah. itself. I remember loving 2018. My uncle had loads of them and my brother had a few of them. And oh, cool. I was growing up always like sneakily reading them because they're very adult comic books. But they were Definitely. at a time when British comic books were like high and above everything else going on at the time, like total golden era of, of comics. So Dread is quite a huge mm. character. But people associate it automatically with Stallone. Maybe that was a factor. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, I knew I was interested in it because I love Alex Garland. Like, um, he's he's an absolute boss. So, I'm a huge fan of his writing. Uh, novel for the beach is incredible, and his lesser known novel, The Tesseract, is also incredible. And obviously, he'd written Twenty Eight Days yeah. Later and Sunshine by this point as well. So, yeah. You know, I was I was down for him, but I wasn't. I didn't go and see it in the cinema because I think I'd taken against three D, and that's mm. just uh, yeah my own yeah. anecdotal evidence as to why I didn't go and see this. And I'm disappointed because I fucking love it. Yeah, I think it's I, brilliant. But James, I think like yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you, your well, us three really are the audience they were banking on, and they didn't. Yeah, they didn't take into account the fact that that same audience had give up of gimmicky three D stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 figuring out like a bunch of detectives. No, but that's right. And that's <laughs> happens quite a lot on the pod, doesn't it? That we we come to our own conclusions at times using the facts available. Especially, I mean, that hits quite hard, James. I mean, surely, as you say, the three of us should be... All over this. Uh, in 2012, we should be all over this. Like, at that time, what were we like? I was 28. You guys were a year, two years younger. 17. Like, <laughs> but we should have been like we should have been right there but I couldn't get in I wasn't old enough <laughs> <laughs> but James if you're saying that you had 3D fatigue by this point yeah and that's one of the reasons you didn't go that is damning that's damning I blame Mark Commode that's who I'm blaming he'd take against 3D and I was listening to him a lot of the times so. yeah I agree with him for the most part but you know yes I do I yeah. yeah the odd film what comes out where it is shot and intentional and it's good but yeah i think they had a bit of a bad one by putting 3d in the title and really pushing it as a as a 3d as a 3d experience yeah 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 um should we have a look at the movie itself um i i found um that as soon as we were underway um visually it was arresting oh yeah i love how like uh, so you got your vo at the start but then that chase sequence is basically a uh Appetite wetter. Yes. To, yes. To set you up for it's an amuse bouche. An cinematic amuse bouche. So, yeah, you get from that scene, you get the tone, you get the look, you get the level of violence. That bit where yeah. they, yeah. they, they plough into that dude on the side of the road where he just walks out into the street yeah. and the car ploughs. You know, into. it's going to be brutal as all hell when that yeah. happens. It was very um, Grand Theft Auto, I thought. Oh, yeah. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in all fairness, that guy, though, like, you know, should have been paying attention to the road. What's where you're going, mate? <laughs> I mean, it's hopeless. The, da- yeah, the, it's hopeless. the it deserves everything that happens. The future dangers of noise cancelling headphones. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. I love how, you know, victim shaming is a common theme of our podcast. <laughs> if you died in a film, we're going to blame you for it, basically. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah, every, everything in that opening scene, and it just like, it just pounds you. Every sense, it just pounds you this time. Yeah. It's so good. And it looks amazing. It is like the. It's got a really unique visual style, um, and the color. No, visually, like I was trying to come up with what I felt like you could call it, and I'm going to go with psychedelic grotty. Yes, that's a good that's one. Not bad. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's it's it, it, so it, it, colorful, isn't it? Like 
it's it so is yeah colourful. it's bug nuts it's bug nuts yeah. And, uh, it, it, you know, it looks so good because it was shot by Anthony Dodd Mantle, who also shot another, what was that term you just used, Rob? Uh, psychedelic grotty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, who won an Oscar for a similar sort of colour palette with Slumdog Millionaire in 2009. So he's a brilliant oh, yeah, yeah, cinematographer. Yeah. And this movie looks fantastic Amazing. as a result. So he shoots a lot of Danny Boyle's movies and also works with right, Von right. Trier and Vince Burke, all the all the Dogma guys and Ron Howard. Did he do 28 Days Later? Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, well, that, yeah, there's that connection, isn't it? Yeah, it looks super. Photography's amazing in this That's one. so interesting yeah. to hear that. Because like, you would not think that visually <laughs> Dread and Slumdog Millionaire <laughs> were sort of brothers, but they are. Yeah. You know, when you think about looking at them back there, yeah. They've got quite a Brilliant. very similar colour palette, actually, now that I think about it. having uh, It is, it's true, isn't it? Because you it's have true. all that colour popping in these really grotty uh, areas and, uh, you know, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. urban areas. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. the man for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, going back to the, the raid comparison like i watched the raid not long ago it was on film four again and i, I checked it out and that's just mm. gray the whole film is yeah. gray yeah and i did not remember dread being so colorful I, I, I watched it last night and i was just like wow this like the greens the red everything just proper yeah. pops everywhere it's a, it's so bright a proper puce yellow that they keep using as yeah. well like a, a pustule yellow vomit yellow as, <laughs> it is so vivid. especially when you get to the slow-mo sequences and it just like they're amazing oh, and yeah. it's just everything's like they are amazing and what i love about that i think that that's such brilliant writing that it's like Alex Garland's thought about this, and which leads me to believe that he's probably the director as well, right? So he's thought about yeah. this when he's wrote the screenplay. How can I justify shooting shootouts and violence in really, really hyper slow motion and not have it be just like yeah. a, a filmmaking gimmick, essentially? So he's like, right, the drug mm-hmm. slows down everybody's perception <laughs> and I'll shoot it yeah. from there. From their perspective, yeah, and then that justify. I can have my cake and eat it. I can shoot super stylish, high ultra violence in mm. there, but it's, but yeah. it actually justified by the mechanics of the of the drug yeah. within the film itself. It's really clever, and it's no longer a gimmick. It's part of yeah the story. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he doesn't overdo yeah. it either because you could use it all the time. But there's, I think maybe five or six. So yeah, it's used quite a bit, but it's it's used really well. It's not every single action sequence. Yeah. No, but when it when it's used, um, it is genuinely beautiful. Like cinematog cinemat cinematog cinematographically beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Keep all that in, Sai. Keep all that in because that was horrible. <laughs> uh, cinematographically beautiful. It was. I don't even know where that's the word. It's not. But um, right. It's not. <laughs> oh great. It is now. Should we just say visually beautiful? It is now. Yeah. That, it, every time I used it, it's not like I wasn't looking at it going like ah. Oh, there we go again. It was like, wow, 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 yeah, wow, yeah. wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I loved um, that. You know, you were saying that section uh, right at the beginning, um, chasing those three dudes in the mystery machine um, <laughs> that they, um, <laughs> that uh, Dredd's character as well is nailed very quickly there as well. What did you make of Carl Urban? Brilliant. As Dredd. Absolutely amazing. So good. Like, you can tell he's really into it. Absolutely loves yeah. it. Doing his yeah. best Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry impression. 
Yes, and that's. I got so much of that. He's absolutely yeah, yeah, reveling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's just got this. Uh, he is having a whale of a time. Ever-present grimace, and he doesn't take his helmet off, which is one of the main complaints from yeah. the fans over the Stallone film is that he took his helmet off for most of the film. Exactly. You know what do you want? What does the movie going public want? Do you want him with the helmet on? Do you want him with it not on? You know what? Do you well, get? the what? movie actually starts with a bit of a dig, doesn't it? Because he does have the helmet off, but he's being shot from the back, and you see him put the helmet on, and then he doesn't take it off again. For the rest of the, rest film. Of the film, ah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's just that. like I think it was like, oh no, they didn't. He's not got the helmet. Oh, he's got the helmet on though, yeah. and it's not coming off yeah. now for the rest of the movie. But I think I think his voice is perfect. It's great his build is perfect. His chin's his gorgeous. Perfect. Little, little chin and mouth is gorgeous and perfect. <laughs> he's ace. Yeah. He's absolutely ace in this movie. And I just remember like him in the in the the presses and you know talking about it, and he just seemed so invested in it, and he was so enthusiastic about the whole thing. You know, like um, Ryan Reynolds is with his Deadpool stuff. Like, he's really yeah. throws yeah. himself into it and he absolutely loves it. And the film's better for it. Yeah, it's a shame it didn't really pay out for Urban as much as it did for Ryan Reynolds Yeah, for this character. But yeah, he, he's he's amazing. Yeah. He's so good. And his one-liners. His yeah, one-liners I, are just I, Schwarzenegger, they're so Van Damme. Yeah. They're so good. Oh, no, he's, he's proper action hero in yeah. this, isn't he? Like... Relatable, not relatable, really, because I can't really relate to a <laughs> faceless judge of humanity. <laughs> uh, nope, scratch that. He is an unrelatably brilliant comic book character here. He is. Yeah, he is, yeah. And he doesn't, there's no character growth throughout. He's the same at the start no. as he is at the end. He's just a fucking badass, basically. But like, does he, does, he come, does he come to love, not love, um, admire Anderson a little bit more on the way through? Yeah, but she, that's not a character change. She just earns his respect throughout the course of the narrative. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah she yeah, comes yeah. up yeah. to his standard, basically, as that he sacks as a judge. But yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not a softening on his part. He's not like, and she did save his, she does save his life, spoilers, <laughs> towards the end of the film. Yeah, I think it's more just like, she comes up to what he expects. And she's sort of set up as bit. So basically, he chases down these guys in the in the Scooby van. <laughs> kills a load of them. All good. Goes back to headquarters and he gets saddled with a rookie judge. Oh, oh. Hang on Anderson. a minute. I'm so sorry, James. Hang on a minute. He chases one of them into a food court. He does, yeah. I mean, oh, dear. It's, it's all brilliant, but um, he... Murders one of them very, very quickly. Um, and there's loads of good world building going on here. No one seems that bothered that all this is happening. It's just there's common bodies yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the voice that, like, on the tannoy after he's waxed that dude is like, um, the food court will be uh, closed for cleaning for 30 minutes. It'll be open again in 30 <laughs> yeah, minutes. Yeah. Like, there's been, there's been about eight homicides in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very Verhoeven, very Robocop. It is, so yeah, Robocop. isn't it? it and is, it's just yeah, like that, yeah. that opening sequence is, that is what it's there for, is to build the world, isn't it? So you know it is, it's a it? kind that, of lawless place and people are used to all this horrible stuff and then you get the idea of uh, his gun how he's only got the one gun but it's got all the little different bullets. oh I love all that and, and um, yeah there is the, uh, it rem- oh, John. oh yeah it reminded me so much of um, uh, in terms of its wanton respect for the sanctity of human life as well as the, the armour and colour palette as well of Starship Troopers oh that bit? Yes. yes yeah is that for Hoven as well yeah, yeah it is, yeah, it is yeah. yeah yeah it is yeah it's very much his sensibility so yeah I hadn't even thought about Verhoeven when you guys said it before but oh yeah spot on it's spot yeah, it's really on you should have got him to direct this it would have been amazing it's still good anyway but god imagine yeah, I know, yeah. directing <laughs> Dread like 
Because there is still, you know, there's always a bit of like uh, satire in Verhoeven's yeah. film, isn't there? And there's, yeah. there's room for that in this as well. They did, they didn't touch it with this one, but yeah, there's a little. I think there is, but it's not, it's not played with the subtlety. I think, this, I think there's quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not played with the that. Well, I don't know. It's not really subtlety with Verhoeven, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so he goes back, doesn't he, after this, and gets assigned the Hall of Justice. Oh, yeah, so nice, <laughs> lovely voice, and I love that conceit of justice. You know, justice is t- t- killing everyone. <laughs> Always asking for a judgment, like I absolutely loved it. Like in the microwave today, like I made some scrambled eggs for my kid in uh, one of the kids in uh, the microwave, and it was popping, popping, and not behaving. And I was like, judgment, <laughs> just went straight into straighten the bin, you know, <laughs> misbehavior in microwave, straighten the bin. Uh, I loved it, love all that stuff. It's probably going to become a thing, I think, for me going forward. <laughs> Judging things crassly based on first impressions. Your kids will have no idea what's going on. Talking back to daddy. Punishment. Bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) They don't have uh, any idea what's going on with me at the best of times. I think it's it's crying. Uh, What I'm trying to say is I like that. I like that. Uh, Anyway. Enough about me as a failing father. No. More about, um... <laughs> yeah. But there's, um, we always like, and what we've established through this pod as well is that the three of us like economy of storytelling, and there's yeah. plenty of that here. Mm. Ninety-five minutes this film runs. That is right in the sweet spot. Yeah. Pow. Right yeah. In the yeah. Oh. It's, it's beat after beat after beat, and it's just. Oh, yeah. Like it doesn't go. It's not convoluted. It doesn't go over the top. It doesn't go too detailed. It's just. Here's what's happening. Then you do this. Then you do this. Then you, and it's just it takes. Here's the world. Here's the adventure. Bosh. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Right. In and out. Ninety minutes. Bosh. There we go. It's great. Even when we meet Anderson, you get straight away. So she's a psychic. So we know the world's yeah. got mutants in it, which is sort of a you know nod to the comic. The comic is full of all that mutant stuff. And yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they kind of they kind of leave a lot a lot of the big villain characters from the comic out of this one it's just about dread and anderson in in the in this film whereas this you know the stallone one kind of covered so many bases with the bad guys and that's probably where it's yeah, yeah 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 is anderson a character from the comics then sir i think so yeah i might be wrong yeah. but i'm pretty sure i, I don't know because i've got zero knowledge of it outside I, of this movie really I'm, no i i read a handful but I, so i don't know the mythology whatsoever I'm pretty sure, yeah, because I remember, I remember seeing. The, I hope um, so, because she's awesome. She's, yeah, so, she's good. so good. But I, I remember, she, yeah. I remember the frames in the comic of her not having a helmet on. Yeah. I mean, I'm not 100. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure she is from the comic. I think a lot of it is. I think there's so many nods. I think if you're well into the comic, then yeah. there'll be stuff what I've missed, and you know all the yeah, yeah, you know, little nods to the to the comics. If his planned trilogy was going to play out it probably would have gone into uh, all that sort of stuff but yeah this is definitely just for the world building and is, like a badass action adventure this one and then it's so disappointing that it didn't make enough bank because I'd love to have seen how it had grown this world mm. but then we probably yeah, wouldn't have got yeah, Ex Machina yeah. and Annihilation so you know it's that swings and roundabouts mate swings and roundabouts yeah. it is isn't it it was filmed in South Africa wasn't it it was, it was yeah yeah. it's like because you, cause you yeah. do get a when was District Nine out? Because you, I was gonna say the prawns. The prawns. Can, can, can you hear them popping? <laughs> Fucking prawns! <laughs> Fucking prawns! Um, 
Because it looks well similar to that, doesn't it? Especially it, there is a the hint, opening yeah. sequence where you've got the sort of drones doing the CCTV on everything. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, very yeah. District 9, which is quite, I mean, it's a bit sad for South Africa if that's what it's bloody like. Jesus. <laughs> some money into I mean, it. it is supposed to be the USA, isn't it? So. It is, yeah. It is supposed <laughs> yeah. to be the USA, yeah. It's very quickly established that um, there's a one-night time frame, isn't there, that this whole film takes place Ooh, in. Oh, yeah. My uh, favorite. When these three these three bodies get chucked off a balcony. Uh, again, all of that was, uh, you know, Rob as Schneider. beautiful as watching three. <laughs> when Rob Schneider <laughs> and the two guys were skinned and thrown off the balcony. Um, that It was it, as beautiful as that kind of thing can be. It was extremely pleasing on the eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's almost operatic the way they were falling. Um, and I, I thought the effects were amazing in this film. Got to be honest. Yeah, they're all practical, like really... a lot of practical makeup and stuff as well, wasn't it? Gross yeah. stuff hitting floors and splattering everywhere. Yeah, yeah. There was no, um, there was no really, really glaring, terrible CGI either. No. Um, you know, you had, you know, you could understand that a lot of the landscape elements were had to be CGI. Yeah. But they didn't stand out as being um, unbelievable. No, mm. no, it was fantastic. Well, they used it sparingly, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, every film has CGI in, you know, yeah, every it single film. It does, it does. Even it does. the most yeah, independent yeah, yeah. films, you know, to put things in the background or paint things out, that's all CGI. So, but yeah, for the most part, they don't rely on it too heavily at all in here. It all feels yeah. quite practical and physical. Um, so those poor, th- uh, those three poor blokes who get skinned alive and th- pumped with slow-mo <laughs> and thrown off the top of the uh, tower block by... <laughs> By Lena Headey's Mama. Now, what do we think of Mama as a villain? She's very typecast, old Lena Headey, isn't she? Like, uh, just standing on a balcony looking at the peasants from below. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that at all. Um, it's a problematic name for me, this Mama business, because um, my uh, my mum is known as Mama <sighs> to all the Oof. kids in the family. Oof. So not Grandma, but Mama. So, you know, when they were saying, like, oh, it's part of the Marma clan uh, and all that, you know, like, oh, well, you know. So I probably won't be showing that at a family barbecue anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be anyway, but, you know. <laughs> not not from the comics, so an original character for the film. Oh, oh right, cool. okay. Yeah. Punisher a bit like Quentin, well, Quentin Crisp from, uh, from yeah. the Punisher, yeah. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, she's... She's good. Apparently, it was supposed to be a lot uh, like an, a really older woman. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Lena Headley met Alex Garland and convinced him otherwise, and to do the whole side story of a uh, betrayed prostitute who had a who had anti man issues. Yeah. Mm. Which which I, I I thought was pretty good. I mean, I, I struggled to yeah, understand yeah, yeah. why she had an army of gang dudes with her who would do anything to like kill anyone, but. Fuck it, it's a whatever. Yeah, I, d- I didn't really know how she'd managed to, you know. She took out the I- top guy, basically. Like, she took over his organisation. I think that's the, like, is that he tried to... She bit his... Let's, let's not split hairs here. She, she bit his cock off, basically. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But, like, so, but how that... I mean, like, and, and suddenly, you know, like, she's... Yeah, top of the tree because she did that. You've got to bite the head off the snake to yeah, literally. You know, well, sorry, terrible literal. <laughs> Quite you know, but but so, I don't know. Yeah, I I tend to agree. So I don't know how she's managed to be top of this world. Well, this weird world of selling <laughs> Ventolin inhalers, <laughs> selling asthma medicine to people. <laughs> 
for kicks. I don't, I don't know, you know, but obviously she's got a lot of loyal followers and I'm not going to question that. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to that economy of story again, doesn't it? So the screenplay moves does, yeah, really yeah. quickly. The pace mm. of the film is unrelated and you get a very, very quick backstory. Like, she used to be a prostitute. Now she's kingpin, basically, and all these guys are scared to death of her. And she's really ruthless as well. She doesn't mess about. We oh, see people yeah, yeah, get yeah. skinned and thrown off balconies 200 stories oh, up. Oh, so, yeah. Like, she's yeah, she she's, playing she's probably worse than Cersei Lannister here. Well, that's the thing. I think Thrones must have just come out the year before. I think so. I I don't know what what sort of crossover. Maybe she made this in the hiatus between season one and season two. Possibly. It was that I I read. That's exactly correct. Yeah, she read. She made it between seasons. Yeah, so it, maybe it hasn't even screened then at that stage. But yeah, she's she's so badass. Like. she's not messing around at all it's a shame that this didn't come out midway through the whole run of it because it may have got more of an audience yeah true yeah yeah they wouldn't have got her that probably although she was in that Stephen Merchant wrestling movie that came out earlier this year and that didn't happen oh was she yeah yeah she was in that Steve Coogan classic the parole officer oh yes she was I remember Steve Coogan being sick on the big one that was one of the gags (laughs) in that wasn't it (laughs) That's not a euphemism for our American listeners. That's, that's a, 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 a roller coaster at Blackpool Pleasures Beach. <laughs> yeah, what could that be an, a, a, a euphemism for? I don't know. Being sick on the big one. Yeah. Be, I don't know. If any, it might sound strange to someone who isn't familiar Blackpool with Blackpool Pleasures Pleasure Beach. That's true. That's Anyone true, that's outside true. of you the know. Northwest region, basically. <laughs> The northwest region of England. So anyway, right, we need to pick up the pace a bit here. So basically, they, she chucks all these dudes off the top of Peach Tree's tower block. Yeah. Judges get called. It's Judge Dredd and uh, Anderson, his rookie sidekick, who's basically yeah. on uh, assessment for the day. And God, what a hell of an assessment this is. <laughs> yeah, and he's such he's such a pro about it. He just says that everything terrible that happens to him is part of their assessment. <laughs> Like yeah, if we were involved in a giant RTA on my driving test, I wouldn't expect my instructor to turn around and go, I'm still counting. What, what are you going to do now? <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, right. I did question, actually, um, you know, um, the helmet of Tread and the eyeline of what he can see. I don't know what he can actually see. What can he see? I don't know what he can see. But anyway, um I imagine it's got peripheral vision. It's the future, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's so, like, well. That's why I put it. His gun. He can talk to his gun, and it can. Shoot yeah, I bought and stuff into like it. All. That, it so. doesn't matter though, the fact that the plastic bits are across his actual eyeballs. So, <laughs> no, I don't mind anything. I don't mind anything at this point. <laughs> uh, they've got you've got Dom Hall Gleason as the. Um, is it Dom Hall Gleason? Uh, it is. It's it's pronounced Donal, but yes. Donal, right. Yeah, Thank it's, you spelled, it's one of those Irish um, names what's spelt completely different to how you say it. Please, I, I, please forgive me, that's my ignorance. Like um, Shersha and uh, Aoife. Uh, yeah, Donal. Donal Gleeson. Well, Donal Gleeson um, is um, really, really... Ah. Oh. I felt terrible for him. Oh, I know. Right the way through. He's the, he's um like the eye in the sky yeah. guy, isn't he? Uh, he's the guy on the CCTV, like the geezer in the Tesco offices watching the shoplifters. But it's not shoplifters, it's the judges uh, <laughs> in peach trees. And he's um like, he's got like, he's never seen daylight because his eyes are so, you know, his pupils are so dilated. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And he's a massive victim in it all, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, because it's, 
That's another like flavor of how Mama's a bit horrible. Is that she thumbs his eyes out? Yeah, reflective of that other Game of Thrones scene with the with the mountain. <laughs> so that's like briefly. It never stops. It never yeah. stops. Yeah, so it's like pop brief- culture constantly regurgitating itself. Yeah. Bri- briefly yeah. flashback that that she th- uh, thumbed his eyeballs out, and now he's got some sort yeah. of robot eyes, and uh, he's just. It looks like he's about to cry the whole yeah. time. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, especially like when he gets, he keeps he patches into the PA and the security systems and keeps ringing up the judges to tell them that no, you don't need to send any more down. Everything's fine. Yeah, While yeah. he's got a big flick knife in his belly button. Yeah, it's ah, oh, it's horrendous. He's got the worst case of pink eye you've ever seen in your life. Like, <laughs> like I think he literally sleeps below an asshole. Like he's got. <laughs> It's because he's got no eyes. He's, they've been thumbed out. <laughs> is that is that what's happened? Like, yeah. No, I saw that bit, but like, have they have they gone completely? Yeah, and they've put like these robotic lenses in. Is that what they are? Yeah. I thought it was it was pupil dilation because he didn't see light, but no, he's, no, he's, got, was... he's got robot eyes. But he doesn't actually use his robotic lenses for anything, does he? Not Apart really. from does that just help him not blink or so that he can keep an eye on the CCTV all the time? <laughs> No, that was my inference of it. I'm not. Even, I'm not making a joke. It could be, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I honestly, truthfully, don't know. Um, but, but anyway, where are we? Where are we? so? So at this point, so Anderson and Dredd go to the go to Peach Trees, uh, which is apparently named after a restaurant. What uh, Alex Garland went to to with the writer of Judge Dredd to talk about the film, which is nice. Which oh. is a nice touch. Yeah, um, nice. Nod. And uh, they. They have which which I think is one of the standout scenes of the film where uh, they go to uh, a room up up on Peachtree to to find the people who took these three bodies off the top. Yeah, and mm. uh, they're all on the slow mo and they walk in and have this big shootout. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, that's, that's that's the biggest sort of slow mo scene, isn't it? Where it's a human. It is. Shootout. Yeah, it is. And they capture um, Avon Barksdale. Avon Barksdale. Yeah. Who who's a great villain in this as well? Because he's, he's such a, really he's such good, a, yeah. a clean cut villain, but he's an absolute cunt. <laughs> Sorry, Damn it! <laughs> he is a horror. Yeah, he, he is. is. A and uh, I do know that it's it's Wood Harris who plays this character. Yeah. But in as we did with John Carter of Mars, if anyone from the Wire ever crops up, they get referred to as their Wire character name. For the, for the rest of the, <laughs> the so it's Avon Barksdale from now on. <laughs> Plus, Avon Barksdale was a drug dealer as well, so it sort of fits. <laughs> yeah. Dredd and Anderson arrest him to take him for questioning. And then that's the point where uh, Donald Gleason, with his eye in the sky, tells Mama and they decide to lock down peach trees. Yeah. yeah. The first person to see all that is uh, the, the, the forehead of a hobo. A poor hobo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a bit of a joke, isn't it? Because when they walk in, he sees the hobo and he goes, I want you gone by the time you get back. Yeah, and then they do all their shit, and then come back, and then he's still there. And he goes, "Thought I told you to leave," and then the door closes on his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very gory. This film isn't it is it? Yeah. Oh, very yeah. very very gory. So yes. if you're not into, uh, you know, I'm I'm usually not. I'm not. I would say I'm squeamish, but I don't like that sort of gore fest type of. You know, I don't like those gore flicks. I don't like oh, no, hostel no, no. or the saws or anything like that. Yeah, but I, this is cartoony. I think it's like it's yeah, it is, it's, 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 it is, it is. intentionally the, the, over the top. Yeah, isn't it? the like, blood's bright red. Yeah, because of the saturation of the color of the whole film, everything is you know the blood is like 
proper catch-up red, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. not yeah. real blood. So, yeah, Dredd and Anderson are now the only two law enforcement caught in this humongous tower block. Yeah, and mm. Marmar gets on the PA, does a customer service announcement, doesn't she, and so, tells all the gangs <laughs> in the place that uh, whoever caps the judges first is going to curry favour with her moving forward, basically. So, yeah, Anderson and... Uh, Judge Dredd start making their way up the floors to try and get to Mama and just capping fools for for fun, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like I'm making it light of it because like there's not no. much to it, but it's all really well shot. But that's essentially what happens for the next half. An yeah, hour. and there's but there's like the stakes change slightly all the time. Anderson and yeah. uh, Dredd get split up. Anderson gets left controlling Avon Barksdale uh, or looking after him. Sorry, I should say. And they have that minigun segment Oof. on the balcony. Oh, the don't Gatling they? gun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're so, so cool. Really, really cool. It's just action sequence after action sequence. Well, action sequence, talking sequence, action sequence. You know, so if you're going to attack it from a critical point of view, that's probably what you're going to do. And I think that's what people did do, is just say how it's basically shooting bad guys. Yeah. It's an action movie. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. To me, it really felt like a video game. Yeah. And the yeah. one point where it really felt like a video game was where um, I think Dredd's been separated by Anderson at this point. And he talks to the guy locked into the medical facility at the bottom of the Oh, Peach yeah, Street. yeah, yeah. And the camera angle is like, it's like Mass Effect or yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Fall, Fallout or something. And it's just the camera angle where it's a back and forth of this really stilted conversation of the guy stood there going, you should not have got up there, Dredd. Uh, I don't know what you're going to do. And I was like, holy shit, this is a video game. Yeah, this whole film a cut scene. is a humongous video game. Yeah. yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's not surprising because, you know, Garland, I think, wrote a video game. Yeah, he did, which I played, which was all right. Actually. What was it? Yeah. Dead. Andy Serkis is called... Uh, Journey enslaved. to the ju- enslaved journey to the west or something like that. Yeah, it, it was it was PS3. It was all right actually. It wasn't yeah. bad at yeah. all. Yeah, it was it was based on the like you know the monkey uh, the Chinese story of the monkey going to the west. Oh, um, Alex Garland also yeah. wrote an unproduced Halo screenplay as well that's never been made. Oof. Yeah, so a, a year after this, he wrote uh, a Devil May Cry game. So you know he's he's into the the video. Yeah, into yeah, everything. It's not surprising. Yeah. He does everything. Yeah. He's a fucking great guy. Yeah. Love him. Welcome anytime, Alex. Welcome anytime. And it's just all these amazing sequences. So there's, you know, the first slow-mo thing, what we talked about, when um, Anderson goes into Avon Barksdale's head is brilliant. Yeah, that was yeah. very good. Uh, the yeah. minigun bit. Yeah. You know, uh, this is, you know, they separate Dread is, is on his own because I think um, Avon Barksdale tricks them. There's a couple of kids come out to, to stick them up. Yeah. Because they want to do good by Mama and, he basically sees his chance to get Anderson's gun and he takes her in the lift and takes her back up to Mama. So they're separated at this point. Yeah. Could I just dive back slightly to the kids? Um, it was through the benefits of 3D that I saw that one of them was wearing um, extremely pristine Timberlands. So just read into that <laughs> what you will. Um <laughs> Nothing but net. Nothing but net. I mean, it's tenuous <laughs> at best, isn't it? Like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I just, just commenting on the child's sartorial elegance. That's all. Are you wondering why they're so clean and such a grubby? You know, it, it was a, a mise en scene distraction for me. This definitely. 
<laughs> the thing is, I think you've missed the fact that Avon Barksdale is wearing them throughout the entire movie. They're not quite as pristine as this, lads. <laughs> <laughs> this guys are box fresh. Uh, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to. It's kind of hard to talk through this film because it is just action sequence. Yeah, yeah, after, and like, it goes so quickly, action. and and you know, uh, yeah, I know just what you're saying. And that isn't a detriment to the film. It flies by. So we have Gatling guns. We they end up getting separated, don't they? And then is this is that the point where the other judges come in? Ooh, because yeah. she still can't kill him even after she's Gatling gun. Yes. Which I think the film needed at this point because he's just been ploughing through every through henchmen nonstop for like an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was getting quite worried for the structural integrity of the building with the Gatling guns. Oh yeah, she takes yeah. out an entire floor. Like she goes yeah, full yeah. Daenerys on on this. Yeah, and they slaughter all the locals as well because it's like the whole you know the whole social housing thing is that there yeah, are yeah. good people in there. It's not it's not a building full of criminals. Yeah. And she just ploughs through them with those miniguns. Uh, he gets away with that, and then he tricks them with a tannoy, doesn't he? So he goes on a tannoy yeah. and delivers a lovely speech, oh. which is where he gives his... He, yeah. he, he does the infamous line of, I am the law, yeah. but does oh, it yeah. quite softly. I am the law. He just goes, He's so law. good. Yeah. And he he's in... <sighs> we're in Thomas Jane territory of a comic book... A guy playing a comic book character having a whale of a time. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He has some great one-liners in this. He does, yeah. Like, oh, so many does. one-liners. Like one of my favourite parts is where um, uh, is after the I think they're just about to have the first gunfight, and he turns to Anderson and he goes, "I'm wondering when you'd remember you left your helmet behind, sir. A helmet can interfere with my psychic abilities. Think a bullet might interfere with them more." <laughs> <laughs> so good. The one quote I wrote down also. It's it's a good really it is so a good, many one, good one-liners. That one, you know, it's like he's, it's like Garland's just taking inspiration from all your favourite movies, Rob, and just making. Why? Why I'm a fan? Don't know. You know why I'm a fan? <laughs> and yeah, uh, we. I, I like. Um, oh yeah, basic field dressing. Oh yeah, because those four uh, judges come in and they're corruptors um, as all heck. Yes, uh, and they quickly try to start killing Dredd and Anderson. A nearly half decent job of it, um, and Dread takes a Not shot. Not really. I think they're a bit crap, to be honest. Like, yeah, no, I, I know. Straight what you mean. away, yeah. just punches yeah. him in the throat, and that's it. He's done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair dues. Yeah, I only mean that from the perspective that they actually get a bullet in Dread. Yeah. And I love it when these movies. You know, it reminded me of Predator when Predator bangs out his first aid kit and sprays some goop on himself, and it closes the wound up. Yeah, it was yeah, a bit yeah. like that, wasn't yeah. it? You know, it was very like that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he get he ends he does take a bullet at one point, doesn't he? And he manages to keep the guy monologuing, doesn't he? This other judge. Who's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then Anderson's managed to get free from the. Um, oh, we we'll have to go back and talk about how Anderson got yeah, free. Yeah, because it's quite, but it is because so much happens in such a, a short time span. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard to to keep on top of it all. So Avon Barksdale's uh, been told that he just has to sh- shoot her, basically even though he wants to do all sort of manner of horrible stuff to her. And yes. he decides that he's going to kill her with her, with her own gun. But he doesn't know that the um, that the guns are controlled by DNA or they're yes. ID'd to the individual judge. So when he tries to shoot her, uh, the gun explodes and blows his hand off. Yeah. And he just bleeds out. <laughs> <laughs> a, a gag that... Uh, not a gag, but a... Um... 
a sort of a, a MacGuffin sort of conceit that was first used in, I think it was, it was License to Kill, I think. Uh, where, was it License to Kill or? It was definitely one of the Dalton Bonds where the handle of the Walter PPK was configured for Bond's fingerprints. Uh, and I think they revisited that in one of the new ones as well. I'm Absolutely. sure. What one of the new terrible ones? <laughs> <laughs> one of the new awful. Anyway, anyway, moving. Oh dear. Moving swiftly, swiftly on. Um. So basically, yeah. So um, Anderson gets free, and she and Dread manages to keep the dude monologuing Dunty so for enough time for Anderson to blow him away. Which I didn't think the line was that good. Then he'd had so many like quippy lines throughout the film, and he's just like. What are you waiting for, Dread? What are you waiting for? And it's just like, waiting for her to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit on the he nose. had been shot in the stomach. Yeah, yeah. yeah, had, yeah, yeah. I was okay, <laughs> with, it. I was okay with it. On yeah, balance, yeah. on balance. His quick whip couldn't uh, keep keep up with him. But that Judge Lex, um, he's really like challenging Urban with his mouth acting, isn't he? Oh, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. His rubbery jaw. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to go for it, haven't you? Uh, well, especially when you can only see a quarter of your face, then yeah, you yeah, really definitely. Go. With yeah. that quarter, yeah, you've yeah. got to go for it. You have to go for it. Um, <laughs> it's Olivia. We've not mentioned. I mean, we've said that she's really good, but it's Olivia Thirlby. Thirlby. Yes, Thirlby. Yeah, from Juno. I knew her from Juno. Yes, she's um she's very good in this. She's really good. Oh, she's such a badass. Yeah. And this sequence is where she's at her most badass. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because she she saves Dred's life at the at the end of it, and it's like, and she's not phase throughout the whole thing no um she plays it really well and you know i went into this i was really surprised she rocked up when i first watched it because she's this last from juno yes this yeah and uh what they set up really well is by this final by this final act when she's come back and saved him and she goes she goes basically i'm not going to be a judge because i had my service weapon taken away from me so i've already failed the assessment which he says straight right at the start that that would be an instant fail but she says, "We're still on assessment. I'm going to dole out justice as I see it." And he helps. She helps him take out the rest of the gangs as they make their way up to yeah to the final confrontation with uh, with Mama. Yeah, again, I'm just enjoying every minute of it. I, I feel like I'm on a yeah, roller coaster, just, like visually. Yeah, it's just really, really yeah. fun, really enjoyable. Everything's shot really well. It's so exciting and fun. I'm loving it. It really is. Like level one, level two, level three. You know. This, going back to this video game thing, it's just yeah, it's such a easy watch and um, completely through. There is no low point. I think it's in is it in Empire where they have the little graph of yeah, 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 the little graph of the the runtime and it shows you, yeah, you know, where yeah, your yeah. interest peaks and troughs. For me, it's just the whole way is just consistently high. Yeah, it never dips. It never dips for me. And they include a little, you know, it's a small thing, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But it's it's a cool little stakes raiser when she puts this heartbeat transmitter on her hand, Mama, on her wrist. You know, and if her heartbeat stops, um, it transmits to some bombs <laughs> that yeah. b- blow the whole place up. Now, in, you know, it's I didn't quite understand why they didn't go off in the end, but... Um, I think was it proximity, proximity to the yeah, transmitters. He, he argued, said. yeah. But I thought it was quite, it was quite a cool way of raising the stakes when you thought they'd finally got got onto him. Yeah, definitely. And but he figures it out straight away that it's going to be that he takes a bit of a gamble. To be perfectly honest, yeah, <laughs> a large gamble, a large gamble. <laughs> 
he assumes that it's a tatty piece of kit, basically, and it's not going to be able to reach up from the uh, from the ground floor. And he's proved correct, so he shoots her in the stomach, doesn't he? And then pumps her th- full of slow mo and chucks her off the balcony, <laughs> <laughs> which was satisfactory. I felt. It was, yeah, yeah. Extreme. Really and, and you know, some movies, you know, they scrimp on the villain death. I didn't feel that here. <laughs> she got her just desserts, didn't I she? Mean, like, face splattered into the. Uh, but, like, I've never seen the, the, the villain's face splattered in, like, the POV of the concrete. Yeah. Like, yeah, I. Yeah. Oh, God. Sheesh. That was, that was severe. Um, but again, gorgeous cinematography on the way down when she's in psychedelic grotty mode. Yeah. Without a beautiful. doubt. Beautiful. Yeah. So Absolutely good. beautiful. The sound of all that as well. Like, you know, again, I don't know if this is true, but apparently that sound effect was a Justin Bieber song, but had been slowed down like 800 <laughs> times <laughs> to make the. <laughs> yeah, really good. If that's true, that is amazing. I mean, I'm not sure it is, but. I think if they were going after a, a psychedelic, you know, assimilation of hell. They picked the right thing to uh, to go with. <laughs> well, no, that would have been our Kelly, wouldn't it? Obviously, right. Get out. We'll all get out now. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> I don't think it would. I don't. I don't think it would. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, give me your best bit. Oh, my best bit is actually a character beat, which is which I found so satisfying. So. Uh, it perfectly captures Dredd as a character in um, in this in this particular moment. So I love the relationship between Anderson and Dredd throughout. So mm, there's, mm. There's, the, uh, there's some great exchanges. But my favourite is when Anderson, Dredd and Avon Barksdale are in the lift, and um, and he's in between the two of them. And she goes, she's she goes, she reads his mind and goes, "Sir, he's thinking about going for your gun." And Dredd goes, "Yeah." And then she goes, he's just changed his mind. And then he goes, yeah. <laughs> right, like, he's just ready for anything. Yeah. And, you know, he'll, Very he's cool. totally Very unfazed. Cool. He'll play the ball as it lies, basically. Like, yeah. if he goes yeah. for his gun, he'll kill him. And if not, then he's cool with that too. But, yeah, I just really enjoyed that moment. It was a nice oh, yeah. gag, really well played between the three of them. It was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. probably my favourite moment in the... Yeah, uh, probably one of the quietest moments yeah, like in the movie. Yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah. One. and I really appreciate the golf reference as well, James. Oh right, well, you know, it's, it's a fairly common phrase, that isn't it? <laughs> it I still liked it. Still liked it. <laughs> what about what about you, Si? Uh, I think that first gunfight in Peach Trees. Yeah, that's how yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cutting between the bad guys who are all in slow mo, and then it just sporadically keeps cutting back to Dread in real time. Yeah. So you've got this really like slow sound design. It's really languid and really like, but then now and again it'll just cut back to normal. It's like, yeah, that was really yeah. really good. Yeah. That really, whole really good. sequence is amazing. The rippling skin on the stomach before the bullets oh, hit is yeah, super. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had fun with high speed. They I'm really like, did, didn't they? Definitely. They really did. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go with um, as my favourite bit. When uh, it's just Anderson and Avon Barksdale and they're getting in each other's heads a little bit. Well, he's not getting anyone's head. He's just being a scumbag. But um, she does him over in his own head, Mm. you know, uh, and there's a sense of triumph about that, obviously, because he's a scumbag. But then he um, he wheeze himself um, and he wheeze himself. And in with that glorious 3D and the color palette and the depth of field, 
it was one of the most cinematically appealing visions of a man urinating himself I've ever seen. So, <laughs> it looked like Shrek's pits. It was it, that it, dream. Honestly, <laughs> it looked like someone had spilled a monster energy drink. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's my favourite. <laughs> Again, going back to an old episode. I love doing this. I love going back to old chats we'd had. Oh, yeah. Dead Man's Shoes, where we're saying how the bullies become the bullies. Exactly. 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 That's it. That's it. <sighs> It's amazing. I mean, oh, she does absolutely. a serious amount of psychological damage on him when she's inside his head. She to does. Do it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I love it. I love it. Uh, again, like Olivia Thirlby, just she's such a badass in this. And yeah. It, you know, her face is just so deadpan throughout all yeah. those moments, and she just delivers everything yeah. proper steely. But I think she's she's steely with a sense of like um, uh, unsureness of herself as well, though. You know, because yeah. she knows she's on assessment as well. I think it's uh, it's like the kind of performance that you can. You know, people will overlook a performance in a movie like this because they'll assume it's one note, but it's not one note at all. She manages no, to combine really the, the badass qualities with vulnerability. And obviously she's, I'm going to say, you know, from the way that she carries it, she feels saddled by this ability that she has of, of psycho connection or whatever, you know? So I think she's brilliant in this. Um, and that's why um, that moment of redemption and victory is my favourite moment. Yeah, no. It's a great moment. Because you've got Carl Urban and, you know, the lead guy in a helmet all the time <laughs> and you don't see his eyes throughout the whole thing. She is basically the, you know, the main person in this, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. So that's why she, so she is carrying a lot of the She is, you're absolutely right. Weight, you know, as, as limited as it is in a film like this, she is carrying a lot of that and she, yeah, she's... She's, she's probably, good. she's probably the moral centre of the film. mm yeah, she's amazing. When she says she's going to dispense justice as she sees fit, when she, when they come across Donald Gleason and oh yeah, uh, and she touches him, yeah, she's like, well, he's a victim in all of this, and she lets him go. Yeah. Mm. Whereas Dread, Dread would have had him pulled, it. yeah, hold him straight to the yeah. to the uh, oh, what's the what's the prisons called? The ISO cubes. Oh, the he'd, ISO cubes. He'd have had him yeah. straight in there, <laughs> but he hasn't got her psychic abilities, so it's fair enough, really. It sounded like um, a new, you know, a new area in the Crystal Maze. You know, like uh, where do we go next? We'll go from the Aztec Zone to the Iso Cubes. <laughs> Richard O'Brien in his turtleneck. I mean, if this is the conditions that people are living in outside of prison, imagine how bad the prisons are. <laughs> I don't know. Iso Cubes sounds so refreshing. <laughs> I'll take a, a margarita with seven Iso Cubes in it, please. <laughs> You know, like after a boxing match, like get get him his ISO cubes and Lucas Aid, please, immediately. <laughs> immediately after you've been knocked out by Andy Ruiz. So, for your reconsideration, what are we thinking? Yeah, uh, too right. This is a balls to the wall, super stylized, ultra violent action thrill ride that at 95 minutes skips along at a pretty ferocious pace. There is no fat on this movie at all. Uh, it's brilliantly shot with loads of deadpan, dark humour and brilliant performances from a great cast. It's perfect Friday night popcorn fare. It's just such a shame that we'll never get a sequel as I'd love to have seen what Garland and this cast would have done with a future instalment. Yeah, a big recommend from me. Yeah, uh, to build on that, um, James, I think like um, just because it's fresh in my mind, I want to go with that. If they did this with $50 million uh, and 
you kept the same cast and production team behind it. I'd love to have seen what they'd done with $100 million or $150 million or whatever. You know, if this really hit its audience, um, it's such a massive shame that it didn't. um, Whatever, you know, we've discussed a few reasons why it didn't. But um, I don't think any of those reasons are actually down to the film itself. The film's great. The films are a load of fun. If you like action movies, just, you're gonna yeah, love this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's it's great. It's brilliant. It features a load of um, performances that are um, really committed uh, and invested in um, the property of Judge Dredd. Uh, and yeah, it's it's great. It's just absolutely great. It's beautiful to look yeah. at. It's brilliantly made. The 3D transfer is one of those rare things that is actually brilliant. So you know, if you see it on Amazon, you're thinking about having a punt on it. If you see you can get the 3D version, get that. It's really, really, really good. Mm. Uh, and, um, yeah. yeah, just go watch it, have a few beers, have a blast, enjoy life, uh, and roll on to the next great thing that we've got in front of us. Sai, what about you? Yeah, um, obviously my pick, so I bloody love this film. Um, but I just feel so robbed that I didn't get to see Garland's supposed plan trilogy pan out. Oh, yeah. I just think it would have been absolutely amazing he's one of the most exciting people involved in film mm. i think at the minute it's robocop levels of good yeah and uh, while P- pete travis's name is on the masthead uh, i think it's fair to say that this is alex garland's movie uh, whether or not director rumors are true or you know all that stuff about the editing thing that garland took over the editing blah 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 um i just think he's one of the most talented interesting Really unappreciated and undervalued people in Hollywood yeah. at the minute. Um, anything he's involved in is bold, original, uh, really fresh. And I just think he's far too good for us schmucks <laughs> if we're not going to go and see his movies like this, Annihilation, uh, which got dumped onto Netflix, as James mentioned before. I'll always be in the queue to watch whatever he makes. And and that is and that is on this, not necessarily on the strength of this film, but this sort of solidified it because... 28 Days Later, what he wrote was superb. The Beach, he wrote the novel, was yeah, amazing. Yeah. And then also, just to take it away from Garland, like this is a comic book adaptation, and it's a really bloody good one. And for me, it's one of the best ones. And I'm going to sum that up like just by finishing on a review, because we didn't dip into any of them. But this review is from uh, Dirk H, who gave it four stars. Uh, this is on Letterboxd, this is a user review. He says, I'll just put this out there. When is a comic book adaptation successful? Two things. It needs to capture the essence of the hero, heroes, and it needs to emulate the feel, tone, and style of the comic. Therefore, this is one of the best comic book adaptations ever made. Ooh. Um, and yeah, just sums it, sums it up completely. It's spot on. Nice, nice. You'll do for us, man. Yeah. Well, that is um, three uh, glowing recommendations for reconsideration here. Um, Thank you for listening. Before we sign off, we're just going to shout out that next week's movie is going to be the Steven Seagal 1991. (laughs) I'm going to say classic out for justice available in most charity shops yeah it's available in uh, multitudinous bargain bins across the land Um, I have looked for its streaming abilities Uh, they are limited but I believe that you can stream it and download it for uh, a couple of quid on Amazon that being said 
Thank you for listening. Let's natter on Twitter at FYF Film Pod. Chuck us email salutations at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And like baby birds being offered partially digested worms, we will gleefully gobble up any five-star reviews you'd like to regurgitate our way. <laughs> Say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. I keep a little Easter egg for the end. <laughs> All I can think of is Ace Ventura going like... <laughs> <laughs> the five-star reviews pouring out. Hint, listener, that's what you should be doing. Cheers, take it easy. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm stopping the record. I'm stopping the record. Yeah, I'm stopping. I'm stopping. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs>